1: life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs learn more at uh1.com before you listen to today's episode i'm just asking you to give this recording a little bit of grace there are quite a few glitches in the sound. And I had just had several storms where trees had fallen down and taken out power lines. I was out of electricity. I did not have electricity for 24 hours. And if you can believe the horror in this, I did not have the internet for five days. And let me tell you, you don't realize how much you rely on the internet until you don't have the internet to rely on. So I attempted to start recording via hotspot. It did not work very well. So I had to run over to my girlfriend's house because she had internet and record there. So it's a little bit glitchy. It's not the best sound quality. So I apologize for that. It's rocky in places for sure but it is absolutely worth your time to listen to. And this was a recording in an episode that I had been so looking forward to recording. And it carries so many incredible messages of self-knowing and self-acceptance. So please just give me a little grace and recognize that you just sometimes got to roll with it in life. So here you go with today's episode with Dr. Judith Orloff. Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium, and here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. Transforming the face of psychiatry, Judith Orloff, MD, asserts that we are the keepers of an innate, intuitive, and empathic intelligence so perceptive that it can help us heal and prevent illness. Yet these qualities along with spirituality are the very aspects of our wisdom often disenfranchised from our conventional care. Dr. Orloff is accomplishing for psychiatry what physicians like Dean Ornish have done for mainstream medicine. She is proving that the links between physical, emotional and spiritual health can't be ignored. The Nation magazine calls her one of the frontier people in health, who is unsatisfied with the existing order and pushes for an expansion of knowledge. And I couldn't actually not agree more. Dr. Orloff is a New York Times bestselling author and it is on the UCLA psychiatric clinical faculty. She received her medical degree from the University of Southern California School of Medicine and completed her psychiatry residency at UCLA. Dr. Orloff comes from a lineage of 25 physicians in her family, including both parents. She specializes in treating empaths and sensitive people in her Los Angeles-based practice and online internationally. She has written eight books. Did I count correctly? Eight? Yes. Eight books. And her newest book, Affirmation for Empaths, is a weekly journal for reflection on 52 affirmations to help sensitive, caring, empathic people flourish. Each week's offering is an affirmation on a single page followed by blank pages for writing, drawing, and dreaming. Welcome, Dr. Orloff, to the show. Thank you. It's so great to be on your show, Amy. Thank you. Thank you so much for everybody who has supported the podcast. So there's so many ways you can support the podcast and the work that I'm doing. One, you can spread the word. This podcast has grown completely organically it is all because of you all sharing the podcast and we are coming up on a million downloads which is amazing other ways that you can support the podcast is through patreon so if you would like to become a patron You can go to Patreon, put in Dr. Amy Robbins. You can find different tiers to support the podcast at the $5, $10, or $20 level or any other denomination. My $20 supporters do get once quarterly Zoom calls with me. They've been fabulous. If you benefit from the podcast, if your life has shifted or changed as a result of the podcast, please help me continue to help you have on these great guests. Also, follow me on Instagram, Dr. Amy Robbins. I love hearing from my listeners. And lastly, rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you all for all of your support, for all of your love, for all of your helping to collectively raise the consciousness of this planet. I am so incredibly grateful. Let's start because I'm really curious about your path to where you are today and and the view from a psychiatrist, from a trained MD in terms of spirituality and intuition in our lives?
2: Great question. Now, I'm a a psychiatrist and I did my training at USC for medical school and and UCLA for my psychiatric residency program and also the VA hospital, which gave me a year of working with veterans, which was great experience. What I do is combine my traditional medical skills with empathic um, gifts and intuition. They all mix beautifully. And so, you know, that's the bulk of my teachings in terms of what I want to get across to you and affirmations for empaths, is is how to embrace your empathic gifts. It's something you add on. It's not something that you fight with. You know, you can be. Incredibly analytic and scientific, and also be incredibly intuitive and Mm. empathic. But if you are intuitive and empathic, you must learn skills not to take on the suffering of the world or other people's suffering because that won't serve you. And then you'll be on sensory overload. So, affirmations for empaths will help sensitive people stay out of sensory overload, which is a zone you really don't want to get in too often or. Ever, because it's extremely painful, mm-hmm. and it's too much. It's coming at you too fast. The lights, the sounds, the people, the voices, the demands. It it can just you know make you explode. So you don't, as an empath and sensitive person, part of your self care is really not getting to that place mm-hmm. and noticing if it begins to build, so you can nip it in the bud. You know, I, I've treated so many. You know, empathic people who are so gifted, but they're so burnt out from caring excessively about other people and worrying and caring and praying for other people and just, you know, using all their energy um, for other people when you need to find a balance. You need to find that center, you know, the affirmations for empath. I am a centered empath. I do not have to take on the suffering of the world.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So worthy meditation for a week. I am a centered empath and I do not have to take on the suffering of the world. You know, And then write in the journal about what comes up for you with that. Because a lot of times what comes up for people is if I am not a martyr and I don't take on other people's suffering, I'm not a good person. Mm-hmm. Definition of a good person or a compassionate person in certain spiritual paradigms. And so what the affirmations book can help you do is reevaluate that. And you'll see on one page, the affirmation itself. And then on the other page, you'll have. Thank you. Got out. Yeah. Line pages. And I like lines. It helps me organize myself. In mm-hmm. And you'll be able to write about why is this important to me? What are my resistances? What new thinking can I bring into this? To make it more practical and powerful in my life and so the affirmation is the springboard for this kind of internal inquiry about how you can make it work in your life thus avoid sensory overload and you know a lot of the other downfalls of being an empath
1: it's it's like a little therapy session in a book because i think (laughs) yeah as you're talking you know when you say okay well if I don't help other people, then in some way, um, I'm not good enough, or, you know, in order to be how I define myself is by helping others. And so when I set a boundary, what does that mean to me? That's really digging in, like one would do in a therapy session and looking at, okay, what is the meaning? How am I making meaning behind this role that I've given myself?
2: Exactly. And that's so exciting to me, that one could be honest enough to go in and really explore that because you want to learn and grow and you want to, you know, always question authority. I'm a big believer in questioning authority, Mm -hmm. finding out what's true for yourself and your own experience. So some of these affirmations might take you back to your childhood and certain beliefs that were ingrained in your upbringing that may not suit your your temperament and your sensibilities Mm -hmm. today. And so it's really worthwhile re-evaluating that. It's extremely simple, not a lot of words, and it's more your prompts to for you to do the exploration on the written page and doodle and poetry or whatever you want to come out. You don't have to be super serious about it. That's not the point. But you you need to flow. You need to honestly, with your heart, go in and examine Beliefs that maybe aren't working for you anymore, which is Mm -hmm. fine. It's true for all of us. You're open and inquisitive and honest and and really willing in a simple, powerful, true way to look at certain aspects of yourself for the purpose of being a wonderfully empowered, empathic, intuitive, loving, spiritual person, somebody who Mm -hmm. can feel this reality here that you know is ordinary waking reality but can also know there's a larger reality that can come into play Um, call it a higher power call it energy call it love call it universal intelligence whatever Mm -hmm. it feels comfortable for you I don't care what you call it but you need to know how to find it and Mm -hmm. and what stops you from finding it so that's a very worthy endeavor to investigate that so that you aren't stuck in this myopic view of the world as the the mind will keep us in this very small view of the world that's only logical and not everything fits into logic. So you need to expand. And that's what I want this book to do for people. I want to give you permission to expand into maybe more natural ways of being you
1: what is your working definition of empath? Cause I feel like that word now has gotten a lot of, there's a lot, it's, it's being thrown around a lot lately. And, and how do we help people move from using I'm an empath as almost like a victim statement? Like, Oh, well, I'm an empath to an empowering place of like, I'm an empath. And I think your, your journal does this. And, I have to say, no, this is the book out now. But for anybody who's looking at your work, don't don't just get the journal. Get all of it. Because each I found in reading through it, each book is like a stepping stone to the next.
2: The 20-question self-assessment test to determine if you're an empath in the front of my initial book, so if you have any doubts, to find out if you're a full-fledged empath, a- moderate empath a slight empath or not an empath not everyone's an empath and not everyone has to be an empath it's not better or worse it's Mm -hmm. just a a type that is important to bring to the forefront but an empath is very open but sometimes they're so open they don't know how to balance themselves in terms of on the suffering of the world or the suffering of animals or you know, the destruction of life. You have to learn how to deal with it better so that you can benefit from all of the positive, the love for humanity, the love of nature, balance that. So it's not taken away by the challenges of taking on too much energy or feeling the toxicity, you know, of various people like the narcissist or the drama queen or the victim. And I go through all the different types. You know, there's a part in the journal where you list Those people in your life so that you're aware of who they are. You know, not maybe or not making excuses for them, but I feel drained around this person because they criticize me all the time and I can't take it. You know, that's fine. You know, write it down. And and then how do you set boundaries? So the empath has the positive points and it has the challenges. Even if you only have one or two empathic traits, you know, such as. You prefer being around just a few people. The reason it's good to know about it is so you can honor it. You know, you don't want to be pushed into going to big events if you hate them. It's just a way of honoring yourself. I just don't like them. But you see what empaths do is they think there's something wrong with them that they don't like them because it's not socially acceptable in a way. You're growing up to think the more popular you are, the more people you have around you, the better. An empath. That's just not
1: true. And that's you knowing yourself too, right? I think so often, I mean, I was just talking with patients about this this week. Because of what our society has valued, we value more, right? More friends, more a bigger party, whatever it is, versus right. intimate. And I was saying, I was just out of the country and in other countries, it just seems like maybe this is me just idealizing, but that there's just a focus on like real genuine connection. And that might just be with one or two or three people in your community, in your neighborhood. But that part of any of our, I I think, exploration is recognizing who we are and what we can tolerate. And so this is, I think, even great for people who aren't necessarily identified as empaths. But as a way to get to know, oh, yes, when I have this person in my life, they make me I feel drained when I leave them or I feel sometimes I'll say slimed. Like I just feel slimy after they leave. Empath, not empath. That's just important information to have.
2: It really is. And it's everyone listening. It's so important to honor. Hold
0: up.
2: that and not judge it it doesn't matter if a million other people experience it differently like as a physician I often hear from patients and I've experienced myself like if I have a take a medication of some sort you know and I have a side effect from it and I've been told oh no that's not in the PDR that's not a side effect of this medication and it's like yes it is I'm experiencing it. Mm-hmm. And they say the real zinger is, well, no one else has ever experienced it. Like, I could care less mm. anybody else has ever experienced it. This is for everyone listening. I'm experiencing it. You know, I've always been like the only one who's experienced this, that, or the other. And I don't care. It's my experience. And so empath. you know, as you begin to honor the affirmations, you'll know that. You'll know that. Traditional medicine is limited sometimes is what they tell you. They have some pluses. They have some minuses. And understanding your empath nature is not one of their pluses. They don't get it, a lot mm. of those doctors. Mm-hmm. However, they can offer you other things. You know, you want to get the best from conventional medicine. Plus, you know, just know they're not going to understand you. From my point of view, that's fine because I go there You know, needing a, if they could give me, if I have a broken arm and they fix it, I'm very grateful Mm -hmm. Better if they understood me, but they don't all do that. And and I encourage everyone to find at least one other empath. You need to have people who understand you, you know, say, Hey, I get it. You know, if you say I'm tired, I can't go out tonight. You know, you say I'm disappointed, but I get it. Mm -hmm. You know, take care of yourself. You know, that's what's most important.
1: Can you be an extrovert and an empath? Yeah.
2: I'm glad you brought that up.
1: Um, Sure. Uh, Most, most
2: empaths are introverts, but an extroverted empath is somebody who loves to socialize and loves the small talk and loves to get out there. So when they come home, they have to decompress.
1: Yeah. You, you identify? Yeah. I think, I mean, it sounds like, although I'm, I'm noticing the older I get, the more I'm feeling the pull to not be quite as social.
2: Yeah, but the socials, that's great. You love social, you know, fantastic. Um, So it just depends on what you are. Whatever you are is perfect. And that's why I love affirmations because it's about repeating it a week per affirmation. You know, I am complete as a person. I do not have to socialize with large groups, you know, or whatever the affirmation is. You wake up every day, eat breakfast, then do your day but have that in your mind that that's how you're going to try and integrate it in a in a positive way so that it can sink into your subconscious through repetition and repetition has been used for manipulation and it's been used for healing Mm -hmm. but repetition is a tool you know it's a tool and it's important to gently affirm These new beliefs. So the old beliefs don't have the power of of living rent-free in your psyche.
1: So you're rewiring those neurons, those pathways. You
2: are. You're rewiring them. You're deepening the heart and what comes from the heart versus old beliefs that come from the head. And I just want to say some of the challenges that I've had is that people say, well, isn't this emotional bypassing? Isn't this toxic positivity? No, toxic positivity is like the Stedford wives. The Stedford wives lived in a perfect little community, and they were perfect housewives, and they pushed the the cart, and they had the babies, and they never went mm-hmm. against their husbands, and you know, and they were robots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The theme of the movie is people escaping from the robot world so they could go back into the human world. But toxic positivity, is when you just put on a horrible smile and you don't deal with your shadow aspects or your fears or your anxieties. No, But that's not what I'm saying. You affirm what's positive And at other times, you deal with the you're doing both. You're dark and you're light. This is just to enhance your light a little bit. And believe me, we all need that. And that's what toxic positivity is. And the bypassing would be not dealing with, well, I'm really feeling tired and upset today. You know, so that it's not bypassing. It's not toxic positivity. It's a skill that's added on the other skills. That you've learned in your healing process so i just want to make that point for those of you who've heard those terms they're very popular terms in our culture today it's interesting
1: yeah they are and i'm not hearing that i'm i sort of have like antennas when that when i hear the sort of toxic positivity and i think when i'm listening to what you're talking about and and look through the books the this notion of like let's understand why you're feeling the way you're feeling That's where I think the piece of it not being toxic or not bypassing is. It's not just saying like, I am, I think in one of them, it's like, I am a warrior or here, let me see. I tune into my energy level. I know how I am feeling and respect my body's needs. That's not saying I'm going to ignore the feelings that come up that are bad. That's saying like, I need to recognize what I need and honor that. And sometimes that might not be positive. That might be being in a space of being upset and angry.
2: Mm-hmm. Or I'm hurting. I'm in pain. I hurt right now. I don't know why. I just hurt. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You know? And then tune into your body. I'm a big believer in embodied learning. Where you tune into your body and say, where, honey, do you hurt? I hurt in my stomach, you know, and it's like your little girl in there mm-hmm. going, I'm hurting. They hurt my feelings. I'm in pain. I feel like I'm going to be abandoned. Whatever fear. Some fears are more up for some people than others, but we have all of them, everybody. So, you know, don't feel like you're, you're weird or it's not right. Or by now you should have gotten over this. You don't get over anything. You just become more whole.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think more able to deal like more able to cope
2: that that's the good point the more you can practice these affirmations the better you're going to feel the better you're going to be able to cope with things the more power you're going to have over the negative voices in your head or the conditioned voices so you can tame them a lot of people might argue with me but i don't believe that you ever get rid of them i believe the, are you okay? The, they're like wild animals that could do horrible damage unless you're conscious of them and that you tame them and you just keep them back. And when they rear up, you go, oh, hello, there, back. You know, I'm not listening to you. I'm not listening to the voice that's telling me I'm unworthy and, and not beautiful and old and sick and I'm never going to get better or whatever these negative wild voices say that are untrue.
1: Yeah, I like the way you phrase that you tame them. You know, when I work with people with like anxiety, and there's they say, when will my anxiety be gone? It might never be gone. But you'll learn better how to manage it. And when it rears its head, you'll know how to tame it how to say, okay, you know, not now or this isn't the place or these are the skills that I now have that I can put into place. So you don't you don't control me. The inmates don't get to run the prison.
2: Exactly. And that empowers you. You don't control me. And the anxiety gets a lot better. The more you do this, I want to emphasize, you will feel better and better and more with life as it comes. And realizing, you brought up the word spiritual, that there's a spirituality to life that's ever present. Mm. And the everyday world of um schedules and to-do lists and and just the the everyday world is one level but there's also if you practice meditation i have meditated for 30 years and uh especially since the pandemic started it was important for me to up my practice so Mm -hmm. you know get more connected to to myself during this crazy time and more connected to spirit And everybody can do this and it's not going to go against any religious training that you had. It just is in sync with whatever your spiritual tradition is. It's in sync with it. because there's, you know, I, I practice Taoism, which is Mm -hmm. there's one path and all paths lead to the Tao. So the Christian path, the Jewish path, you know, the Muslim path, the Baha'i path, whatever path, there are lots of different paths,
1: but they all channel, you know, Oh. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Can I ask you a professional question about how, what you're, I'm very curious what your work looks like. Cause I think for me, I've always struggled with how to kind of explain how I use my intuition in my work. So I'm wondering if maybe you have a better way of explaining it.
2: Well, you know, I kind of have an advantage because a great number of people come to have read my books. So they're kind of primed to, you know, they know, especially my first book, Second Sight, which details, you know, how I came out initially as a psychopathic psychiatrist and all the fears I had and integrating traditional medicine. But you know, I when a patient comes in to see me, I listen with my linear mind to what they're saying and ask them questions. And at the same time, I'm listening with my intuition and my empathy to be able to feel what other insights might come to me. All right. I would say over 50 percent of what I pick up, I don't share right away. I mm-hmm. uh, I often phrase it in terms that aren't intuitive. I'll phrase it in terms of questions because it's not important to me to get credit for how accurate I am with my intuitions, although it's always fun, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of working with people, I don't need to get credit for it, but I do need to use my own intuitions to help steer people in the right direction. So it's better if they can come up with these insights themselves. Better, much mm-hmm. better.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Let's say somebody, this has happened to me so many times with a patient where... About to get into a relationship with somebody, and they're just you know over the moon with happiness. And Judith, what do you (laughs) think of this? (laughs) Like, which is not the question to ask me because I don't operate that way. People tend to overcompensate when they're developing their intuition, their therapists, and they want to help people. Um, They tend to do want to do too much work for their patients i i don't i um really trust that if they get a little bit of knowledge you know most of them can run with it
1: mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and
2: that, that helps support them in their strengths rather than you don't want them being this passive person who comes in and looks at you like a psychic reader that's not gonna help them at all right you get empowered and leave you you know eventually
1: yeah and i think i mean i feel like there's so much even just in our conversation today that has probably helped people, those who are in the healing professions, but also just those who are out and about in their lives to really be paying attention to how you're feeling and responding to things. So Dr. Orloff, can you tell my listeners where they can find your book, Uh Well, the the
2: books and the webinars and the everything's on my website, but it goes to different places like some go to Amazon, Ameth- the online course goes to sound true or the shift network so there, there's a whole lot of materials there if you're an empath or you're a, a healer you want a, an empathic healer and you want to learn to work with it in a bit of a deeper way this affirmations for empaths book can can go with everything mm-hmm. it's, it's easy and it's simple and it won't take too much of your time but it will allow you to explore throughout the day. So I'm really loving this book. You know, I really love it because it's simple. I mean, the more I grow, the simpler I like things. You know, I don't like complex things, you know, that require a lot of thinking, you know, or mental activity. I, I re, you know, more growth and heart and movement and, and really congratulate yourself, all you empaths out there. I mean, maybe you just learned from our conversation, you are one. How exciting is that? It's never too late. I've worked with women, not, not so much men in their 90s, but women in their 90s. Oh, my God. I'm an empath. 92. Mm. Like, how beautiful is that? Is it too late? No,
1: it's never too late. Well, and it's interesting. I'll tell you this before we leave. And I can't remember if I've said this, talked about this on my podcast. But my son, who's 13 now, he said to me a couple weeks ago, Mom, sometimes I just... I feel like I can walk down the street and feel other people's sadness. What do I do? How do I manage that? So I I feel like for him, like these books, and I think we think about this more as a, that more women tend to be empaths. But I think that so many men are as well. And because of how our society socializes that out of them, that we lose a lot of like their sensitivity and in talking with him I don't want him to lose it it's so special but as as society kind of grabs hold and what what is considered masculine versus feminine you know takes over I think it's harder particularly for young boys and men to embrace that sensitivity because it's such a beautiful thing
2: It's so true, and your son is in such a beautiful position where he could balance his, you know, more linear being along with his sensitivities, and he might want to listen to this interview I just did with a man named Parker Edson, who is, you know, I think about 30, and he's Mm -hmm. just coming to his empathic abilities. He's a a rapper, and he Uh is on PBS, a rapper who's an empath, I mean, you would never, ever think that, but it's true, and he talks about his kind of listen in our conversation he's awakening more and more and he's like oh my god oh my god you know I'm speechless I'm this I'm I'm a man I have this and you know that makes me so happy you know I I love him and I think he's incredible um I think he's a wonderful role model and for men for other men you know and he's I celebrate the empathic nature of men conclude with saying you don't have to be an empath you know it's fine like in terms of you know my partner in life not an empath I don't want him to be an empath I would go crazy if I had a partner as an empath would be just too much going on all the mm-hmm.
1: time
2: we were driving and he said "What are you feeling and he goes feeling he goes I'm driving
1: <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one who asks their partner those questions
2: It's funny and it's perfect, you know, for me because you have to find your mix and match with friends or students or teachers. Anything is fine. Whatever your preference is, is fine as long as it's from the heart.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, Dr. Orloff, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for your patience with my internet situation because I lost internet and you were very patient with me to where I could find another place to go that it worked. So I'm so grateful for your time. For anybody who's interested, Affirmations for Empaths, the new book, again, if you didn't hear me say it before, don't just get this book. I think that this is one of just so many. The ones that I've looked at and read are really resonant, and I'm I'm appreciative of that, and it's going to be next to my bedside. I have a big stack of books next to my bedside because I read so many for the show, and they're all, each one of them has something that I feel like is so important and especially, I know this isn't your current book, but thriving as an empath and it's 365 days of self-care, which is beautiful. And just even just flipping through it, you can see, oh yeah, like I need to let loose a little bit. I need to release fear, you know, all of these things that I, I think are valuable for any human being, not just empaths. I know it's for empaths, but I don't think it's just for empaths. So thank you so much for your time today.
2: You're welcome. Thank you.
1: Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore